TII item 283, September 18th, 2013. This week, iOS 7, iPhone 5S, and 5C. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah! My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com forward slash TII. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash TII for your free audiobook download. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Jeffrey for sending in the music you're hearing in the background. Jeffrey wrote, Hi, Rob. I made this song on my iPhone 4S using GarageBand connected to Audiobus and Sample Tank. Listeners of TII can follow me at JeffJ6 on Twitter for free music I write and create using an iOS device on a weekly basis. Regards, Jeffrey J. Thank you, Jeffrey, for the music. And folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. Also want to thank Dr. John for sending in the artwork for today's show. He wrote, Hi, Rob. With the forthcoming release of the iPhone 5S in gold, I thought it would be appropriate for TII to have a gold version as well. So I snagged your photo with a screenshot from your TII webpage, touched it up a bit using Drawcast, I then added a TII solid gold text using DoodleBuddy. Finally, I turned it gold using Pro Photo Sketch. Regards, Dr. John M., Gilbert, Arizona. Dr. John, thanks again for sending in this artwork. And you can see Dr. John's artwork in the TII app in the extras for episode 283 or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash todayinios. If you have some artwork and or music you've created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com, and please make sure to include which app or apps you used to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, This time next year, I see REM having a 15-20% to 20% market share, a great ecosystem full of apps, games, and developers, as well as lots of happy BB10 users. Unquote. Dennis Rumor, BlackBerry 10 developer, 18th of July, 2012. And it is reported this vision came to Dennis while getting his supplies ready for Burning Man. Just saying. For promo codes on episode 282, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the TII app. I'll be drawing for winners sometime in the next week for that app, or my app. If you want more info on this, go back and listen to the beginning of episode 282 for the additional details. This week, we have promo codes for the app Layer Laps, two words. Here is the review from the dev. My name is Adam Hammonds, and I'm the developer of Layer Laps, as in time lapse, but with layers. This iPhone iPad app allows you to layer photos as you advance chronologically so you can easily see if anything changes. You create scenes with photos of the same area, choose the photo you wish to compare, advance through the time lapse, and align the photos by changing transparency or stacking order to have the differences, however slight they may be, to appear and disappear. Move, zoom, or twist the photos and save the positioning setting for later viewing. You also have two crosshairs to select pixels 
pixels that measure XY location, distance, and RGB values. Additional features are overlay photo taking, notes, sorting, and blended photo creation. Uses include surveillance, documentation, experimentation, inspections, security, inventory management, loss prevention, graphic design, science fair projects, or proven any visual evidence. Basically, this app gives you superpowers, so check it out at layerlaps.com, spelled L-A-P-S-E. Thanks to Adam for his review of his app, Layer Labs, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put Layer Labs, two words, in the subject line. A quick reminder, if you are an app dev, email me if you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment. There is never a charge for this. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app, indicating you are the dev. Also, when you send in the promo codes, make sure to let me know when they expire. If you don't have promo codes to give away, if your app is a free app, and you still want to get your review of your app on the show, you can just send in the 60-second or less review of your app. Again, make sure to mention upfront you are the dev, and we'll work it into a future episode of the show, just not at the beginning of the show. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Apple just posted last night a list of features for iOS 7 for each country on what they will get. Too many to list in an email or a spreadsheet. Regards, Thomas in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Thanks, Thomas. And Apple is not talking about every feature here, but they are talking about many features from these categories. Maps, Siri, Dictation, iTunes Store, and App Store. Look for the link in the show notes titled Apple iOS 7 Feature Availability for Countries. Some features are available for all. Others, like Siri Movie Showtimes, are just available in Canada, the UK, and the US. But if you are outside the US, Canada, and the UK, which seem to be getting all or most of the features, you may want to take a look at that page. Again, search for Apple iOS 7 Features Availability for Countries in the show notes for episode 283 over today in iOS.com. Okay, first thing, per updating to iOS 7, I recommend you wait a week. Wait until my episode next week to hear how it's going. Don't be the first to do it. When there are issues with an update, they usually happen in the first couple of days. Okay, that all said, I know most of you will not listen, so let's go over how to update. If you are a jailbreaker, you cannot upgrade right from the jailbreak, or usually you cannot. So you will need to remove the jailbreak first, and then you do a full restore, and then you can update. You will need to move around some apps, especially if you have uh, the five icons in the dock or five icon row. If you've got that tweak in there, you're gonna wanna move things around. It's gonna get really ugly on you if you don't. So get them back to four columns first. With regards to updating to iOS 7, make sure you update iTunes to 11.1 if you are doing the update via your computer, especially for those jailbreakers. Check your updates for this. Yes, you need to update to iTunes 11.1, or at least you did for the Goldmaster that was made available to devs last week if you wanted to upgrade from a computer. It's also likely you will be able to update right from the app if you're not jailbroken. So if you have your app at iOS 6.1.2 or 1.3 or 1.4, you should be able to update right from the iOS device. Maybe. We'll see. Also, before you update to iOS 7, I recommend the following steps to get your iOS device ready 
to update to iOS 7. This is regardless of how you're doing it. Step one, back up your iOS device to your computer and your computer to some other device or service or back up your iOS device to iCloud, but make sure you do your backup. Step two would be to force quit out of every open app. So make sure there's no apps running. Step three, go to the settings app, then general, then select re reset, then select reset network settings. This will do a full reboot of your iOS device. Once it comes back on, go to Wi-Fi, reselect your Wi-Fi hotspot, re-enter your password if, you need, if one's needed. Now, after you've done all that, your device should be ready to update. So step four, do the update to iOS 7. When you do the update like this, with all the apps shut down, maybe it's just my imagination, but it really does seem like updates go much better. Okay, at this point, you're updated to iOS 7, and you can start checking out some of the new features changes. And speaking of changes to iOS 7, here are some that I think you need to know of. One, I just mentioned force quitting apps. In iOS 7, it is done differently. You still double tap on the home button, but now you will see a preview of the open app above the icon for that app. You simply flick the app up towards the top of the screen, and that will force quit the app. Two, search on your iOS 7 device is different. Now to get to the search screen, i.e. Spotlight, you can do it from any home screen by pulling down on that screen from about a half an inch from the top. This will then give you the search bar. Three, deleting emails. Previously in the email app, you swipe to the right. In iOS 7, you swipe to the left. And then you can choose trash to delete or more. And more includes the options to move that email to a folder, reply, forward, flag, mark as read, and move to junk. Swiping to the left, hmm, see, who said Apple could not innovate anymore? Fourth one I want to talk about, taking photos. In iOS 6 and earlier, when you tapped on the shutter icon, it did not take the photo until you lifted your finger off the icon. Now, in iOS 7, you can tap and hold, and it will take multiple pictures for as long as you hold down. This is not burst mode, unless you have the iPhone 5S. For all other iOS devices, you can tap and hold and get multiple photos at about one a second or about 11 to 12 and 10 seconds uh, for the iPhone 4. Definitely not burst mode as some reported. Now mind you, again, that was with my iPhone 4. With my iPhone 4S running iOS 6.1.2, I was able to snap about 21 pictures in 10 seconds on average by quickly tapping and releasing on, on the shutter button. So that's about two a second, it's not bad but not the 10 a second you'll get with the iPhone 5S and real burst mode. It will be interesting to see what performance the 4S gets when I eventually update it to iOS 7. So if anyone updates uh, their iOS 4 or iOS 4S or 5 to iOS 7, test, uh, take a, open up uh, the stopwatch app on another iOS device and go to burst mode, well, go to the camera, hold down the home button, and see how many pictures you get for a 4S in a 10-second period, see how many you get for a 5 in a 10-second period. Interesting to see if it's faster for, between those two devices. Fifth item, in iOS 7, there is the option in Settings app and then Cellular to turn on and off the use of cellular data. So now you can see all your apps requesting cellular data so you can turn off any that you don't feel need to be communicating via the web. 
This is a really nice new feature for those with metered plans as it shows you how much cellular data each app is using up and gives you a chance to turn off any cellular data hogs. Sixth item, another nice new feature in iOS 7 has to do with mail. You can now mark all messages in an inbox as read. In the mail app, tap onto the email account and then in the inbox, tap the edit button in the upper right corner. Then at the bottom right, tap the mark all button. You get a pop-up where you can then choose either flag or mark as read or cancel. Sadly, this does not work for searching for a bunch of emails and marking them as read. Oh well. Seven, for accessibility. In the physical motor section, there is a new subsection called switch control. One thing you can do with this new option is set up your iPhone where it cycles through the different buttons or icons on your screen. And you can then tap anywhere on the screen to select or open that icon that was selected. This is a nice add for anyone having limited motor ability. On new iOS devices, iPhone 5 and the new iPad and iPad mini, you're also getting the option to control selecting an icon or button by turning your head left or right. So it tracks your head movement. Obviously, that would be also for the 5S as well. You can, or, and the 5C. You can even have it where turning your head one way is like tapping the home button and turning your head the other way is selecting an icon or button. And you can now assign switch control to a triple home button push. Eighth item, activation lock, which is one of the key reasons to update to iOS 7. It is activated automatically when Find My iPhone is enabled, which it is turned on under iCloud and Settings app. Activation lock requires you to enter your Apple ID and password to turn off Find My iPhone or sign out of iCloud or to erase the device or to reactivate the device after an erase. So again, you once this is activated, you need to enter your Apple ID and password to turn off Find My iPhone to sign out of iCloud, to erase the device, and to reactivate the device after an erase. I think it's safe to say at this point, I have no sympathy for anyone who has their iOS device stolen that did not have Find My iPhone activated. You should have that, you must have that activated on your iOS device, especially once you upgrade to iOS 7. Find My iPhone, make sure you activate it. Those eight new features are some of the key new features that I felt are going to be used by most. There are many other new features. Apple said over 200. Please let me know which new features I did not mention that you are using the most in iOS 7 once you upgrade. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. And again, just because you can update right away to iOS 7 does not mean you should. Let the Apple servers deal with all the stress from everyone else doing the update. Give it a week or two before you update. The only exception to that would be if you live somewhere where Apple picking stealing is widespread. In that case, update early and get the new security features turned on. And as an FYI, by the time you hear this, iOS 7 should be available to most of the world. Into the email bag we go. Hi Rob, listeners might like this for iOS 7 wallpapers and ringtones. Yes, they can get that on the 18th, but many like me won't be able to update till the iOS 7 jailbreak is available. Regards, Chris in London. Thanks, Chris. And he is talking about there being both new wallpaper and ringtone alarms in iOS 7, which there are now some new default tones. 
such as the following. The default ringtone is now this. The default text tone is now this. And the default sound for calendar alerts and reminder alerts are both now this. Those are some of the new tones you'll be hearing as defaults in iOS 7, which you know is what most of us will leave them at. But if you don't like that, go to the settings app, then go to sounds and change it back to the old way or change it to something else. Or if, as Chris suggested, you would like to get this for your iOS 6.x device now, before you update to iOS 7, go look for the link in the show notes titled Download All of the New iOS 7 Wallpapers Here, and you'll be able to get those new tones you just heard. Okay, Apple's special buddies got their iPhones early, and they have had their embargoes lifted, so they can now give their reviews. This is the normal group of reviewers. Like last year, I will give the last comment from their post plus one or two or three other comments. And this way, you don't really have to spend too much time or any time reading their reviews. The ones I have here are from Uncle Walt at All Things D and the Wall Street Journal. David, no, she's just a friend, Pogue from the New York Times. And Gadgets, Miriam, thankfully I don't work for Gizmodo, Yuri. Ed Big from USA Today. Jim, flavor saver, Dalrymple from The Loop. And in that order, we shall go. Uncle Walt closed his review with the following, quote, Overall, however, the new iPhone 5S is a delight. Its hardware and software make it the best smartphone on the market, unquote. A couple of key points from his review. One, Touch ID works, and it works really well. It's not a gimmick. Two, pictures were slightly sharper than on the iPhone 5, and low-light pictures were much less washed out by the flash. Three, his one disappointment was not with the iPhone 5S hardware, but with iOS 7, and that Apple still is not allowing third-party keyboards, read, swipe, to be installed. And that is a definite legit complaint, and not one I can remotely defend, or would want to for that matter. Come on, Apple, let in third-party keyboards. Next up is David Pogue from the New York Times. He ended his article with, quote, Apple still believes in superb design and tremendous polish. The iPhone is no longer the only smartphone that will keep you delighted for the length of your two-year contract, but it is still among the few that will, unquote. Some other key points from his article. One, low-light pictures are much better on the 5S versus the 5, and the new flash really works as advertised. Flash pictures look, quote, much, much better, Unquote. Two, Touch ID is really convenient and works every time. Haters to this can, quote, go jump off a pier, unquote. Three, on the downside is that the new update is basically evolutionary, not revolutionary. But I think at this point, anyone looking for revolutionary change in the iPhone line this year, or really probably any year going forward, will be greatly disappointed. Next is the review from Miriam Iori at Engadget with some help from some friends at Engadget. The last thing from the review, which was the most in-depth of all the reviews, was, quote, The iPhone 5S is a solid effort from Apple, but its true worth is yet to be determined. If developers come up with clever ways of using 64-bit support, iOS 7, and my M7 coprocessor to their advantage, the 5S has the potential of being the best off-year flagship phone the company has made. If not, a lot of people might just wait it out another year, 
unquote. Some of the key points from this very long review, which really was as long as all the other reviews combined, are one, the most underrated improvement is the improvement to LTE. There are now four different SKUs, each designed for a different region and operators. The SKU A1453 supports an amazing 13 LTE bands in addition to other wireless standards like DC, HSPA, quad band GSM, Edge, even quad band CDMA, EVDO, Rev A and B. And they point out this phone could technically work on all four major US LTE networks. Sadly, this version in the US will only be sold locked on Sprint. The unlock version in the US that you have the option to buy will be the A1533 SKU, which is also the one you will get at AT&T. And it too will also work on all LTE networks for all four major carriers in the US. The A1457 is focused on Europe and the A1530 is meant for Asia. If you are buying an unlocked iPhone 5S or 5C, do your homework. Two, per the fingerprint scanner, folks at Engadget mentioned it was not perfect when their fingers were sweaty. It sometimes did not work, but you can still get access in that case by entering your passcode. So basically, it is fingerprint for you for quick access or passcode when fingerprints are not working, sweaty or dirty fingers. Interestingly, it will also work with toes, as they said that was a fun fact. But there are users of smartphones that have lost the use of their hands, and for them, they can also get the use of Touch ID scanner. One downside, there was not an option to require both a fingerprint and a passcode. My guess is iOS 7.1, that'll be added, as I wondered about that as well. I mean, one reason to be on the iOS platform is because you have security concerns, given all the security and malware issues on Android. And if you are really interested in security, it makes sense for those people that they would want double security with both the fingerprint and the passcode required. Third item they talked about is they did testing that indicated onboard RAM is still at just one gigabyte for the 5S. Again, this one was the most detailed of the reviews. Look for the one titled Engadget iPhone 5S Review in the show notes for episode 283 over at todayinios.com. Next up is Eddie Begg from USA Today. His final thoughts in the review were, quote, I can strongly recommend either new iPhone, but especially the 5S, both with iOS 7 dressing up your current device, you may not have to upgrade right away, unquote. Some of the key points in Edward's post are, one, he was a little disappointed Apple stuck with the 4-inch display. Um, was he really thinking it was going to be anything else? Earth to Eduardo, Earth to Eduardo, time to come back down. Two, many of the new features on the camera side have been available on the Android side, but the True Tone flash is unique. And while he got some great photos with the flash, it does take a little longer to take the photos while waiting for the phone to figure out the correct settings for the flash based on the surrounding light, which is true anytime you run the flash anyway. And three, Ed states that Touch ID is not a gimmick, but rather something very useful for unlocking your iPhone. Seems to be a common theme among the reviewers. Seems they were all looking at it as being a gimmick, or remember the gimmick of a fingerprint scanner on the Moto Atrix of yesteryear. And that kind of skewed them to think it would be a gimmick from Apple. But it's not, 
at least according to the reviewers. And finally, Jim Dalrymple from The Loop's review of the iPhone 5S, where he ends it with, quote, The iPhone 5S is a brilliant phone with some great new features that help you in work and play. The fingerprint sensor, camera, and improved speed and architecture make the 5S my favorite iPhone to date, unquote. To which Jim put himself in first place in line to get the iPad mini to review when that next one comes out. Some of his key points, one, again with Touch ID, Jim went into the review of the unit wondering if it would be good enough to actually make it useful, and the answer after testing it is, quote, unequivocally yes, unquote. So five for five on the fingerprint scanner. Jim even mentioned the fingerprint scanner is very, very quick, much quicker than typing in a passcode. Although Jim and a couple of other reviewers did mention one downside, and that is you get so used to using Touch ID to unlock your iPhone 5S, that is, when using any other iPhones, uh, you instinctively touch the home button to unlock it and then get that wah, wah, wah moment when you realize those other devices don't work that way. Not a bad thing, though, for the 5S. Just means if you use multiple iOS devices, it will get a little frustrating with those other devices when you keep holding or tapping over that home button expecting it to unlock. Jim also did a review of the iPhone 5C, so if you are one of those people looking at the 5C, you may want to look for his review on it in the show notes for episode 283 over at todayinios.com. Okay, so while I glossed over some of those reviews to get to the heart of their reviews, I want, or really I guess the tail because I went to the end, I do want to talk about the new iPhone 5S in a little more detail and see how this ranks up as an upgrade versus past upgrades. First, here are the things that are new updated with the 5S. The biggie, the A7, the 64-bit processor. We do not yet know how much RAM officially, since iFixit hasn't torn it apart, but it does look like it's going to be 1 gig. Uh, we'll know more soon. There is the 120 frames per second slow-mo video recording. Video out is still at 1080p. Battery life goes from 8 hours of talk to 10 hours of talk, a nice 25% bump. The iPhone 5S is available on NTT Docomo as a major new carrier. The camera went from 8 megapixels to 8 megapixels, but the pixels are at 1.5 microns, which is 15% larger than past pixels. The flash is another major upgrade with the True Tone flash, from one of the worst flashes to the best flash. The camera for photos gets an auto image stabilization, there's also burst mode where you can take 10 photos a second versus the 2 per second of the 4S. For video recording, there is now 3x zoom. There is improved video stabilization. Another big addition is the Touch ID fingerprint scanner. There is the M7 motion processor. And finally, there is the improved LTE to support many, many more bands. In all, the 5S is a major update when you grade it as I have in the past to the other updates. Actually, I did a scale of one, two, three for minor, mid, and major additions or updates. For example, the A7 64-bit processor gets a plus three, but improved video stabilization just a plus one, and burst mode a plus two. Using the scoring method in the past, the iPhone 4 received a score of plus 30 for its upgrade. The 4S had a score of plus 29. The iPhone 5 had a score of plus 25, and the new 5S had a score of plus 29. 
and that is without knowing for sure the RAM, but it does look like it'll be um, just the one gig, so we won't get anything else there. So if you have the TI app, check out the extras, and hopefully I remember to add in the image as a PDF for this episode showing a chart of the 4, the 4S, the 5, and the 5S, all the new features you got across the board. Again, this is a major overall update when you look at it, all the new features, and compare it to past updates. Last year, I said the iPhone 5 was not as big an update as the 4S was, and if you had a 4S, no real reason to upgrade, and it was even questionable if you had an iPhone 4. But this year, I'm saying, if you still have the iPhone 4S or iPhone 4 or earlier, then yes, you definitely want to upgrade. For upgrading from an iPhone 5 to a 5S, that really comes down to one question. How big of a photog are you? As much of the new updates and feature ads this time revolve around the camera. So based on what I have read and seen with regards to the iPhone 5S, I would say anyone with an iPhone 4S or earlier should upgrade, and anyone with an iPhone 5 that is really into photos or shooting video should also think about upgrading. Remember, if you do upgrade from an iPhone 5, you will likely have to pay full price but then make sure you get your old iPhone 5 carrier unlocked so that you can sell it for a nice price and likely make up much of the unsubsidized price. I would love to hear back from you on your experiences with the new iPhone 5S and 5C. Let me know which version or versions you wound up getting. Did you get the 5S, 64 gig, gold? Or did you get the 5C, pink, 16 gig? Or anything in between? Let me know the carrier you're on, and if you do a speed test, what type of data speeds you are getting. That was one thing not mentioned in any of the reviews, how good the data speeds were. Please give your opinions. Do you have the buyer's remorse, or are you tickled pink, or gold, or space gray? 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or record and send in your feedback to todayios at gmail.com. Now, one thing I do want to point out is that I'm not overly happy with Apple's choices for storage options for the 5S. What I think Apple should have done was the 5C, the $99 version, that should have been 32 gig of storage. Just one option. Then offer the 5S at 32, 64, and 128 gigs of storage for $199,299,399 subsidized. To me, that would have made more sense with an S at the beginning but I am guessing it was about saving cents with a C at the beginning that caused Apple to go with the current offering. Oh well, it'll not stop me from getting the iPhone 5S 64 gig version, and I'm guessing Apple kind of knew that would not stop me going with that offering, and it would not stop most, and that's why they did that. You can kind of tell when I go off script, can't you? Anyway, uh, maybe next year they will go with the higher storage uh, when they add 4K video recording. Yes, yes, sometimes I get hung up on things. All right, I want to thank today's sponsor, which is Audible. If you go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash T-I-I, that's audiblepodcast.com forward slash T-I-I, you can get a free audiobook of your choosing. Audible is the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with over 150,000 titles to choose from. So no matter what your tastes are, Audible has some audio goodness for your ears. And if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash T-I-I, you can get a free audiobook to download and to keep, even if you cancel the service and pay nothing. This episode, I have a listener recommendation again. Hi, Rob. Last week, I recommended the Destiny of the Doctor series in honor of the 50th anniversary of the show. This week, I'm recommending Billy Crystal's Still Foolin' Em. 
The audiobook available through Audible has many chapters recorded live as Billy Crystal reads part of the book at one of his shows. The audience reaction adds to the pleasure of listening to the book. Regards, Jim C. Well, thanks, Jim. I also have a couple of recommendations this week, both of which are related to Apple. First is Inside Apple, How America's Most Admired and Secretive Company Really Works. It is almost seven hours. The other one is Digital Wars, Apple, Google, Microsoft, and the Battle for the Internet. That one runs a little over 11 hours. But hey, if none of those are your thing, no worries. Audible has you covered with over 150,000 titles and every genre covered. So no matter what your thing is, Audible's going to have a thing for you. And if you do want to get one of those books or some other book, you can do it on us by going to audiblepodcast.com forward slash TII. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash TII to sign up for the Audible service and to get your free audiobook download. Offer good to just those in the U.S. and Canada. Thanks, Audible, for sponsoring the show. And folks, please send in any Audible book recommendations you have. Okay, most of the rest of the show is going to be listener feedback. I'll have a couple other items in there, but let's get in some of that feedback. Hi, Rob. Did the people putting down the new iPhones watch the same presentation that I did? Hmm, let's see. 5S, revamped operating system, 64-bit architecture, advanced camera with advanced flash, fingerprint scanner, twice the speed, new colors. Can't wait for the upgrade to from my 4S. And 5C, wait until you touch it. When the iPad mini was announced, I said, big deal, until I picked it up. And now I own one and love it. Thanks for listening. Regards, David O. Thanks, David, for your feedback. Now let's talk a little bit about the new iPhones and availability. And first up, warning, warning. Looks like the iPhone 5S may be in short supply for the near future. This according to analyst Peter Misick. Oh, wait, never mind. That is speculative fiction writer Peter Misick who is about as accurate as Michael Dell when it comes to all things Apple. Seems he is saying the iPhone 5S is having issues with the home button and will be greatly limited on the supply side. Again, don't you believe that specific part of it? Missick should just shorten his last name to Miss, as that really explains how he does on rumors and speculation. However, Brian White, now at Cantor Fitzgerald, speculates the 5S will be in short supply because Apple did not choose to allow it to be pre-ordered. Because, you know, when you are supply constrained, the last thing you would want to do is have an orderly way to let customers order early and distribute the product just to locations that need the devices. Much better if you are capacity constrained to just send out product to stores willy-nilly and hope you matched up your limited inventory with locations that have the most demand. Okay, I should add, since that report broke for Missick and uh, Brian White, there have been others saying Apple will be severely limited in supply. One source told All Things D, the iPhone 5S inventory on Friday will be grotesquely low, with All Things D, All Things D suggesting you will have to work for it if you want one on Friday. Others are suggesting because of so many different versions, there are four different SKUs based on LTE and other cellular standards. Each of those has three different colors, and each color has three different storage options for the 5S. Overall, that means there are now 36 different versions of the 5S. And for the 5C, there are five colors and two storage options for a total of 40 different versions. Okay, in the U.S., that means there are half that amount. 18 and 20 versions of the 5S and 5C, respectively, that need to be at whichever store you are looking to buy them from. And if said store is not an Apple store, you are likely not going to get your exact option. Even at the Apple store, 
How many of each version will they stock is clearly unknown. They never say these things. And when the local Verizon store opens up last year for the five iPhone 5 launch, typical inventory was about 50 units per store. That does not bode well for the launch of two phones with 38 different varieties among them. Yep, if you are near an Apple store, that is the place to go wait in line. Everywhere else, it will be a crapshoot at best to see if they have the specific version you are looking for. Into the email bag. Hey Rob, found out two tidbits of information. First, Target will not carry the 64 gig version of the iPhone 5S. Secondly, the Apple Store has a limit on the number of iPhones each guest can purchase on launch day. However, that not limit is two per guest. So if you have a spouse that needs to be at work while you stand in line at the Apple Store, you can both still get an iPhone on launch day. Bonus tidbit, if you are looking to purchase a 16 gig or 32 gig iPhone 5S, Target is taking pre-orders. Hopes that helps someone. Have a great day. Regards, David M. Thanks, David. So folks, if you are the type that must get the exact option you want, you have one of two choices this Friday. Order online starting at 12.01 a.m. Pacific time or get in line at an Apple store and get in line early Friday morning as the Apple stores will be opening at 8 a.m. local time and start selling in the U.S. As mentioned on the last show, initially the iPhone 5S and 5C will be available in the U.S., Australia, Canada, China, France, Germany, Japan, Singapore, and the U.K. In Japan, that does now include NTT Docomo. So NTT Docomo will be getting it on launch day. While I don't really believe anything Peter Misick says, even closing your eyes and throwing a dart at a dartboard will result in a hit every so often. Plus, my guess is if there is a supply constraint, it is likely over the A7 64-bit processor and not the fingerprint scanner. But that is a guess. Really depends on if the manufacturer of the A7 is Samsung or TSMC. If it is the latter, which it seems likely it is, that would mean some sort of learning curve yield issues from their new 20 nanometer production process and for handling an iPhone launch. Some other indications that there may be an inventory issue with the 5S, at least, is that the iPhone 5S stocked out in its pre-order really quickly, almost instantly, when it went for sale in China. The only version left after the initial pre-order was the 16-gig Space Gray version, and it sounds like that may have sold out just a few hours after the pre-order started. So again, it may be hard to get an iPhone 5S early on. Speaking of pre-orders, last week, Apple had pre-orders for the iPhone 5C starting at 12.01 a.m. Pacific time on the 13th. And you know what would suck worse than having to stay up to 12.01 a.m. Pacific time to pre-order the iPhone 5C if you are on the East Coast? Well, it would be staying up to 12.01 a.m. Pacific time on Friday the 13th to order the 5S and not realizing it was not going to be available to pre-order until Friday the 20th. Oh! Seems that happened to a few people. So yeah, if you were one that stayed up last week on the 13th, well, you needed to pay better attention to what I say on the show. Anyway, Friday the 20th at 12.01 a.m. Pacific time is when the 5S will go on sale online. And it also sounds like that is the time online orders for Verizon, AT&T, Sprint, and T-Mobile will also take place on their sites. By the way, if you are going to upgrade your iPhone and wait in line, make sure you back up your iPhone prior to leaving to go to the iPhone store. This way, if you want to use that backup to get your new iPhone set up, it's really, really easy. 
Interestingly, Walmart is already discounting the 5C and the 5S a little. I guess they are trying to get in some foot traffic. Walmart is offering the 16 gig 5C at $79, a $20 discount, and will sell the 16 gig 5S for $189, a $10 discount, if you get it to your contract, that is. No pre-ordering of the 5S. Need to go to the store on the 20th to get that price. And if you want to take $100 off your new iPhone in the US, you can get it at Sprint. You save $100 if you are a new customer to Sprint, so you must be moving a number over to them for that discount. Check your local Sprint store for additional details. A lot of people in the past and currently are asking which is the right carrier for them. And that is a subjective answer at best based on where you live and if you travel, or if you are looking for the cheapest offerings. For the cheapest offerings, T-Mobile would be the lowest cost, then Sprint, followed by both AT&T and Verizon. For example, the two-year cost for the 5S 16 gig at T-Mobile is $649 for the phone, up front, and $50 a month, or a total of $1,849 in two years. For Sprint, it's $199 for the phone up front, and $70 a month for $1,879. Now, if you move to Sprint from another carrier, you can take $100 off that, and then they move into first place. For AT&T and Verizon, it is $199 up front and an $80 a month for a total of $2,119 for two years. There are some other details for each, so that's just the big picture look for close to the same types of offerings on the cellular plans. But at the end of the day, you should look at which carrier works best where you spend most of your time and if you travel where you are typically traveling to. If you're going all over the U.S., then Verizon's probably the best answer. But specific cities, well, then it gets a little bit more muted. Hi, Rob. Thanks for the very informative show. I'm an avid listener. I wonder if you have any insight into whether the 5S with Verizon will be able to do talk and data at the same time. With the 5, I was somewhat disappointed when I switched to Verizon and found you couldn't multitask on LTE. I understand it is just a matter of adding an extra chip. Do you think Apple has done that this go-around? Thanks, Mitch and Winston-Salem. Ah, and that's another data point when figuring out which carrier to go with to get your iPhone. And to answer your question there, Mitch, nope, not on Verizon or Sprint. AT&T will still, of course, support talk and data, as will T-Mobile. So keep that in mind when picking a carrier if talk and data at the same time is important to you. But nope, this time around, Apple did not add the extra radios that would be needed to make that happen. Let's go over a few tips to help make sure you can get your iPhone 5S on the 20th. If you're going to the store, make sure you have your ID with you. It does not hurt to also bring your current phone bill. If you are buying online at 12.01 a.m. Pacific time, be online before that. Don't panic if things start to slow down online, especially if you are online and start trying to order right at 12.01 a.m. Pacific time, which, of course, we would recommend you do that. Of course, have all your account info right at your fingertips, your payment info and your last four numbers of your Social Security for the person whose account this is for on hand. And the best way to order online, at least according to Apple, is via the Apple Store app on an iOS device. Make sure you have your Apple Store ID and password entered into the app and make sure you have your shipping address entered in there as well and your pickup address. Have the app ready to go 
well in advance of 12.01 a.m. Pacific time. Don't launch that at 12.01 and go, hmm, I need to add some info. You know, launch a couple hours beforehand, make sure it's all going well. Note, it may be possible to order online at 12.01 a.m. Pacific time for pickup at the local Apple store. I've read conflicting stories about if Apple will allow that this year, or if all online store sales are for shipping only. My suggestion is to check out that option if you are waiting online. In the past, people that ordered online while waiting in line the night before got a different and shorter line the next morning at the Apple store. If you are going to wait online, bring a chair and depending where you live, a blanket and make sure your current iPhone is charged up and ready to go. Expect to be in line for many hours. If you think you will show up at 7.30 a.m. and get in and out, you are going to be sadly mistaken. If you need to be work at 9 a.m., well, first, sucks to be you on Friday. And two, you better be online or on the way there. Oh, I don't know, about now? If now is late Thursday evening. Point is, Apple did not do pre-orders for the 5S. And this is different than the past few years. So some may have forgotten what lines can be like. So if you want to make sure you get the version you want and have it in your hands on Friday morning, then get in line at an Apple store early, pre-3 a.m. is going to be paramount. And again, make sure you check out the online ordering process to see if you can order online for pickup. Nice to know when you're waiting in line, your phone is already ready for you at the store at 8 a.m. when the doors open. Hi, Rob. I have now watched the Apple Keynote for the September 10th announcement of the iPhone 5C and 5S and listened to your post-announcement podcast. My initial impressions are bravo, Apple. Once again, Apple is bringing forward a new phone, the 5S, with significantly better performance and significantly improved technology. As for me, the faster speed and the improved camera on the 5S are what I look forward to most. The enhanced security features are a bonus. I have a 4S that I have been completely satisfied with for the past two years, but I will be among the first in line for the new 5S. Really do not understand the grumbling from some of your audience. As for me, I want Apple to keep the phone small. I want to do everything with one hand or by talking. The day that I need two hands to operate a phone is the day that I find another manufacturer. I say keep it small and keep it fast. America's bankruptcy courts are replete with companies that could not decide what they wanted to be and tried to be everything to everyone. From my perspective, Apple's leadership knows exactly what they want Apple to be and are staying true to their vision, designing and building cutting-edge devices that make life better and are a delight to use. Aloha will be Honolulu. Will, thanks for your feedback. And thanks to Chris in London for the heads up on this next one, which is something you will want to look into if you are upgrading from an iPhone 4S or earlier to the iPhone 5C or 5S and plan to keep your old device as well. It is a USB sync cable that on one end is the standard USB connector that you plug into your computer or your charger, and on the other end, a not-so-normal connector that has three connections. On one side is the old 30-pin dock connector, on another side is the new lightning connector, and on the last side is the micro USB connector. And it is just $18, and it comes in a bunch of different colors, Look for the link in the show notes titled The Last USB Sync Cable You May Ever Need. And yes, they do say it will sync and charge any iOS device, be it the 30-pin or the Lightning devices. So it's not just for charging, it's also for syncing. 
Hi, Rob. This is Bruce from San Jose. You had a caller call in about backing up uh, photos from an iPhone to, um, you know, a terabyte drive. I think he mentioned that he already owns the drive and was just looking for advice on, you know, how best to get the photos to the drive. Uh, one thing that I do is I've got I've got a wireless terabyte drive that's just sitting, you know, somewhere in my house. It's just a mounted drive in Windows, and I have iCloud, and I have the iCloud folder. Rather than being in its default place, I have it directed to that drive. So all of my photos, when they sync to iCloud, they also sync to my my laptop, but my laptop, that particular drive, that particular folder is actually sitting on the uh, wireless uh, hard drive. So that might be an option for your caller. Take care. Thanks for the answer, Bruce. Into the email bag. Hey, Rob, just listening to the latest episode, and there is a caller named Ed that did the Apple trade-in and got a new iPhone 5 for his wife. I know you may have already thought of this. And he as well, but if he's within 30 days, since today is September 10th, he may be able to return the iPhone and get his wife the new iPhone at no cost as well. Just a thought. Regards, Joe J. Hi, Rob. Five fingerprints can be stored on the device to unlock the iPhone 5S, but only one can be associated with your iTunes account, so your kids will be able to unlock your phone, but will be prevented from buying apps, videos, and music which could save you from some very expensive bills. Your fingerprint data is only stored on your iPhone and it isn't sent over the internet or stored on Apple servers, which should help keep prying eyes away from it and your data secure. Regards, Carson F. in England. Hi Rob, currently on iOS 7 beta 6. Do I have to downgrade to iOS 6 when the Goldmaster is released next week? Regards, Craig S. Nope, you should be able to upgrade to the Goldmaster, but you may have to do it from your computer and not over the air. Jonathan, foreignfilmcast.com. Rob, I'm responding to your question, the one you posed to the iPhone 5 owners. I have a battery life issue, so I use the Mophie juice pack. This means I'm not using lightning often. When I do use lightning, I use a USB to lightning cable. I have a few of those, but generally I'm using a micro to USB for charging. Cheers. Hi, Rob. This is Joe from the San Francisco Bay Area. I am an iPhone 4 to iPhone 5 upgrader. I initially bought the 30-pin to lightning adapter. Quickly found that that didn't work with a lot of the cases that came out. I went to Mini in the Box and got a corded 30-pin to lightning adapter, and I do not recommend them. They do fail, and there is a pretty bad warranty return policy from that company. I do recommend the cables from cellphoneshop.net if people are looking for an inexpensive USB to lightning cable. Thanks Rob, love the show. Hey Rob, it's Tracy from Nashville. You had asked about the what kind of adapter to use for the iPhone 5. I only had cords for my iPhone 4 and so I didn't bother with an adapter, I just went to Monoprice and I got new cords uh, once they were cheap enough because of course they're going to be excellent quality. So now I've got one for the house, one for my computer, one for the car, 
and I think that's the best way to go. So I would say just go to monoprice.com and find Lightning Cables. You're probably better off that way. Hi, Rob. It's Ed Benson out here in the suburb of Chicago. On your item 282, you asked everybody to kind of call in and let them know what adapters they got for the iPhone 5 uh, for your future buyers. Uh, in my family, I have three iPhone 5s. Mine is in a Mophie juice pack, so I use that micro-USB connector for charging. Uh, but for the other phones, all you really need is a couple of 30-pin adapters, and that's for charging, which is the main thing. You know, one for home or, or wherever you travel, and then one for the car uh, if you travel in there. So you're going to need at least a couple. Uh, they're 29 bucks each at the Apple Store if you get them there. Uh, one word of warning to would-be buyers of the next phone is you want to make sure if you buy a protective case, even at the Apple Store. Now, I don't know about the new ones they came out with, but you want to make sure that any, especially probably aftermarket case that you get for your i5C or S or or 5, is that the charging adapter for the 30-pin will still fit in there. Uh, when you use a 30-pin adapter into the current one, uh, it's got a shoulder on there. And if the bottom of that case isn't done just right, it doesn't allow it to plug in. So they were selling one at the Apple store that did not work. Uh, and I took it back and, and showed them. And uh, they said they were going to run it off the chain and see if they could get it uh, eliminated from their inventory because they don't want people having to go through that. But we use just a couple of 30-pin adapters for each i5 and make sure whatever case you buy will still allow you to plug that in, that it's wide enough at the bottom uh, for that 30-pin adapter to rest up against the phone. Okay, thank you very much. Take care. Hi, Rob. My name is Tim Brown. I'm the host of my own podcast, my Apple podcast, and I was listening to your recent episode about the recent announcement by Apple. Well, let me just say, first of all, that I'm very excited about all the announcements. I'm actually looking forward to getting an iPhone 5S. I'm probably going to get the gold color. I'm particularly excited about the 64-bit processor since I tend to use the more heavy-duty apps, and not just for games, but for video editing, I can just imagine what the potential is there in terms of what you can do now with a device that has a 64-bit processor. That gap between the PC and the phone and the tablet will be closing even more than it has. I loved your comment about the big phone. For the life of me, I cannot understand why people see that as a selling point. Obviously, Apple doesn't think so. And if they do offer one, it will be more of a way to just supplement what they're already offering, which is already a success. Anyway, I love your show. Talk to you later. Tim, thanks for your feedback. And Jonathan, Joe, Tracy, and Ed, thank you for the answers there on the adapter side. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. One of the listeners said that Apple did not allow changing of dates and times on photos. That isn't the case. I had trouble with the some pictures being out of sync due to slight differences in the time settings of the phones. I changed the time settings using Aperture but you can do it with iPhoto too. Please see the attached link for methods. This does a time shift for any set of pictures you choose to slot them with uh, where they belong. You can look at the proper set of pictures and figure out the time shift necessary. Essentially, it is doing a batch change to the pictures. Then when you do a resort by date, the pictures should align properly. It does take some effort, but less than designing a presentation or iMovie. Link below, regards, Fraser, And the link is to, uh, titled in the show notes, Changing the Dates and Time of Photos in iPhoto. And look for that in the show notes for episode 283 over at todayinios.com.
Arab. Here may be the answer to presenting photos in the order that you want for last week's listener, Chris in London. And what Chris is talking about is an article at TUAW about an app called Photo Presenter, one word, and helps you get your iOS photos onto your Apple TV, and it does allow for you to put the photos up there in any order. Again, that is Photo Presenter, one word, and it's 99 cents in the App Store. Hi, Rob. First off, forgive me because I love the show and I'm pointing this out in a good-natured, ribbing way. Uh Uh-oh. I'm listening to episode 268, 20 minutes, 10-second mark into the episode. You mention a rumor about a certain home button that you laughingly dismiss. Not really worth a how-wrong-were-they segment, but a bit humorous nonetheless. Scott O., Merritt Island, Florida. Hi, Scott. Thanks for pointing that out. Yep, missed that one. Here is what I said on that episode. Quote, From the way out in left field category comes the rumor of the next-gen iPhone's home button. Seems some sources in Taiwan were talking to Tech News website, and they said the next iPhone would come or could come with a sapphire crystal capacitive touch home button that would incorporate a new fingerprint sensor. Um, yeah, unquote. Well, guess next time that technews.tw gives us a rumor from the supply chain, we need to take it a wee bit more seriously. Kudos to those guys for nailing that one. An Apple TV refresh may be coming sometime today, the 18th, so if you want to check your Apple TV for any updates, it is possible and likely by the time you hear this, the update is available and ready to install. Thanks to Fabio E for this next one. Quote, by Nextworth's count, the iPhone 4S and Samsung Galaxy S2, the two premier phones you'd be replacing in this two-year contract cycle on Android or iOS, are separated by a wide margin. The 4S retains more than a third of its original MSRP. It's now worth $197 as of 829 while the S2 is down at 13% of its original value which is well ahead of all other Android handsets from that generation. Meanwhile, you could have sold your old iPhone 5 for a healthy 36% of its initial value as opposed to just 26% for the Galaxy S3. These are expensive products, which means those are big gaps. And again, the Samsung phones are the clear leaders on the non-iPhone pack. Everyone else fares much worse. The HTC One a basically brand new and awesome phone, according to all the Android fanboys, it only gets you $104 right now, unquote. Okay, I added in the Android fanboy part. Ouch. That HTC One off contract is a $700 phone, and if you buy it and go to resell it, you get 104 Wow! Yes, one thing Android fanboys never want to talk about is resale value. Because, well, I guess it just hurts too much from talk about it. Here's another interesting bunch of stats. Android 4.3 was released at the end of July. That's Jelly Bean. Five weeks later, how was it doing? Well, according to Google, less than 0.1%. Yes, less than 0.1%. Sorry, I had to say that twice. Not for effect. Okay, for effect. Still, that is an amazingly low number. Less than 0.1% of all Android phones are running the latest Android operating system 4.3. To put that in perspective, on Wednesday, June 12th, already 0.22% of iPhones were running iOS 7 Beta 1, according to Chitika's data, 
which is really impressive when you think about how many devices that works out to, which is about 450,000 iOS devices running the beta in just 48 hours. So five weeks is less than 0.1% for a released Android OS, the latest and greatest, and 48 hours for a beta on the iOS side gets you 0.22%. 48 hours from now, when the full version of iOS 7 goes up, there will be a couple of movements of the decimal point to well over 22% and probably well over 33% of penetration of iOS 7. And in five weeks, that number will be pushing north of 66%. Resale value and access to the latest and greatest version of OS right away are two big draws for me as an iOS user. Rob, Thomas from Malibu. I have an iPhone 4S, and I have the opportunity to do anything else I want. But the main reason I want to stay with iPhones and iOS is security. And I just can't imagine having my stuff stolen off my phone the way the Android reports are. So that's why I'm staying with iPhone and security. I can't afford to have my identity stolen through a uh, some dumb Android phone. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Rob. I noticed within the past week, the battery life of my iPhone 3GS running 6.1.3 was severely degraded. I also noticed a location service arrow appearing in the upper right corner when I hadn't used any apps that had access to location services. The arrow would immediately reappear, even after I closed all apps, did a complete shutdown and restart by going back to settings, privacy, location services. I was able to trace the problem to the new release of Flickr app, version 2.2.0. Uh, dot one one three four, which came out on August 29th. Apparently, the app turns on location services immediately, even when the app has not been launched or used yet, which in my case was causing quite a bit of battery loss. By turning off services for the Flickr app, my phone's battery performance was returned to normal. I have reported this as a bug to Flickr folks, but I also thought you and the rest of the TI community might like to check this out if they are a Flickr user and are having battery performance issues. Regards, Jeff in Springfield Ill. Jeff, thanks for the heads up on that one. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. You mentioned on the last show that over 50% of smartphone sales between the 3.5-inch and 4-inch screens belong to Apple. While this stat may be true, in my opinion, it's not really saying much as most top-tier Competitor phones are mostly over 4 inches. Maybe you're content with a 4-inch screen. I'm not. I want a screen to be wider as well as a bit longer, but mainly wider and some more so that what is currently is on the iPhone 5. You can't deny that the Samsung Galaxy S4 screen isn't a nice screen size for any football-related activities this season. For you to say, if you want something on your screen to appear bigger, simply hold the iPhone closer to your face is exactly reminiscent of Steve's telling us we were holding our iPhone 4s wrong back in 2010. That's crazy talk. Most of the people I come across with all want bigger screens, Rob, all of them. Even Donald Trump. Regards, Gino, Bronx, New York. P.S. It isn't any innovation to increase the screen size. I agree with you 100% with that statement. Hi, Gino. What I said was, in the U.S., over 50% of all sales of smartphones in the last six months to the four main carriers were iPhones. And that means over 50% of all smartphone sales in the U.S. were 3.5 or 4 inches. So again, over 50% of all smartphone sales in the U.S. on the four major carriers were 4 inch or smaller. 
For watching video, the screen size of 4 inches versus 5 inches is 100% irrelevant. It's like saying a 1080p HDTV at 60 inch is looking bigger than a 42 inch 1080p HDTV while giving no reference to where you are sitting. When it comes to watching video, it really is all about how close you are holding the device. But a Galaxy S4 3 feet away will seem much smaller than an iPhone 4 1.5 feet away. And no, all of them do not want bigger screens. Again, most people in the US at least are buying a 4 inch or smaller screen. I agree that some percent of those buying the 4 inch screen are doing so only because that is all Apple is making available and do actually want a bigger screen size. It will be interesting to see what happens next year if Apple does release a larger screen, what percentage of buyers will go big, and what percent will stay with the current size because they believe they have something better to do with their other hand. I would have to believe Apple has done some market surveys on this and has some feel for that answer. But again, it will be interesting to see what happens next year if Apple does go with a bigger screen. And there is no guarantee that they will. Iran people are complaining about the iPhone 5S's apparent lack of innovation are missing the point rather completely. First, there are two major types of smartphone consumers. Those who only want the functions we now consider to be standard, a phone with a browser, camera, calendar, maps, and music player, and those who are interested in the varied functionality available with apps, like me. I have 350 of them. The iPhone 5S, like the 4S, shows that Apple sees the future wedded to the app market, and since they are getting 30% of the app revenue, that sounds pretty smart. The new technology in the 5S, the 64-bit A7, and the motion coprocessor show that Apple is thinking towards the 2016 at the very least. This is the technology that will enable another quantum leap in both app capability and user experience. The problem is that, as with the 4S, that jump in technology is hidden from the casual user, and much of its promise won't be seen for another year or two. That being said, I see a lot of people with Androids who are only looking at them for their standard features, and the larger screen is a very big selling point with them, particularly for photos and video. Even if the images aren't as good, they look much more impressive on a big screen. Of course, the size of the phone starts to become a problem, which is why I see more women with big screen phones than men, since they can keep them in their purses. I want a bigger screened iPhone, both for photos and for better web browsing. The problem is that I don't want a bigger phone, but it seems to me that there is still a lot of wasted space on the front of the iPhone, and I would be more than willing to accept a phone that is a quarter inch wider, and some smart engineering uh, to make the full face of the screen and an additional quarter inch would make the iPhone 6 an obvious leap forward in the eyes of all smartphone consumers, regards John K. Hi Rob, I have a jailbroken Verizon iPhone 5 32 gig that I got on launch day last year. I have Apple Care Plus and I'd like to upgrade to the 5S, though I'm not yet up for a subsidized phone through my carrier. My iPhone has many dings on the chamfers and a small chip on the screen. I don't use a case. My initial plan was to use my Apple Care and trade in for a brand new 5 which would have a better resale value because of the condition and then sell it uh, to finance the upgrade. Now that the 5 is discontinued, I wonder if I wait a, a little while before I turn my phone in, if Apple might run out of 5s and agree to replace it with a 5S outright, or perhaps a little extra cash. The problem with waiting uh, to turn in my iPhone is that next week, or Wednesday, the new phone will come out with iOS 7, 
and I won't be able to jailbreak it, which uh, will lower the value on the resale market. What do you think I should do to get the most money out of my five? Do you know uh, how Apple has handled Apple Care replacements with discontinued phones in the past? I'm thinking the 3GS. How much do you think the jailbreaking adds to the value of an iPhone? Thanks, Michael from Seattle. Hi, Michael. Uh, first off, if they did run out of iPhone 5s, which they're not going to for a long time, but if they did run out of iPhone 5s, they would not replace an iPhone 5 with a 5S. They would replace it with a 5C. So no chance of you getting a 5S ever from turning it into 5. Um, and I believe there is also a deductible from Apple Care. So you have to see how much that is and what will be your out-of-pocket for that replacement. Then realize that if you do get a new device, it will not be able to be jailbroken. So that means you need to figure out the difference in price for a brand new iPhone 5 minus your deductible, if any, versus a chipped iPhone 5, which is jailbroken. Take a look at eBay and see what they are going for both in, for in both situations, one where it's jailbroken and one where it's not. And that'll give you an idea of what kind of value you can get for it. Hey, Rob, this is Jody. Hey, uh, I heard your comment on your podcast. And I mean, I respect your point of view and I understand, you know, your point of view about Tim Cook. But I guess what I'm really saying is just the lack of innovation here. So you got to help me, you know, and I mean, you gave me some really good information about what Apple is doing, but I'm just, I guess I'm used to, you know, major leaps forward. And what I'm not seeing from Tim Cook uh, it's, it's not the same passion as I saw with Steve Jobs, you know, and I could be wrong, you know, you know, I mean, I can accept criticism and, you know, and I appreciate your comments, you know, and they helped me a lot. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll say that they did help me, but I still think something's got to be done. Uh, I don't know what the solution is, but, you know, maybe the iPhone 6, but for right now, you know, I'm hanging on to my iPhone 4S, you know, and I guess I, I could possibly wait them out. But man, hey man, I'm just praying for Apple. All right, man. Hey man, love the show. Peace. Hey Rob, this is Jody again. Uh, yeah, just for your FYI, I did a little small survey of musicians here and where I'm from, and a lot of them have iPhones. And they kind of agree with me as far as the lack of innovation and also, believe it or not, they want Tim Cook's head and to be out of there. I know that gets your goat going from my last, from listening to your last uh, thing when you had me on the air. So, uh, but just to kind of give you an idea, and and I do understand where you're coming from. I know this is the second call, and you can pick whichever one you want to put on, but man, you got to help us, Rob. Maybe you could call Apple or something. I don't know, man. Which is disappointing, man. Which is, and hopefully, iOS 7 will be the saving grace but the majority of the guys that I talk to are keeping their current phone and they're not upgrading and these were like diehard you know Apple fans because you know we're musicians and we compose you know using Macs and stuff so naturally you have an iPhone so anyway dude love the show <laughs> I love the music you put behind me that was pretty cool alright later Jody the issue here is you and your friends are looking for big picture big thing big change you're not looking at all the details that are changing, all the development that Apple's doing on the component side. Apple is innovating. They innovate at the component level. And this, the iPhone is the sum of its pieces. 
and Apple's making each piece better. They're coming out with new and different technology that no one else has, the True Tone Flash, the thumbprint scanner, and the 64-bit processor. Those are three big deals. Those are really good innovation. And Apple did that, then they added in the motion processor as well. Apple is innovating, but they're innovating at the component level. And they're doing that so that the overall user experience and overall feature set is better than anything else. That's where Apple innovates now, not on the outside, it's on the inside that counts. And per all your friends calling for Tim Cook's head, well, birds of a feather flock together. That's, I guess, all I can say, because that's total crazy talk all around. Hey, Rob, it's Kevin Crossman from Fremont, California. Lots of interesting feedback about the new iPhone on your last episode. I have a couple messages. First, to the future ex-Apple fanboys that are moving to Android because Apple can't innovate, can you please, for the love of God, provide one single feature that is innovative on the Android side that doesn't involve a larger screen? Please, I get the larger screen thing. Just point to something else that is substantial and especially where Apple is not innovating in a useful way. Does the flash on the new iPhone not become innovative? Does the 64-bit processor not become innovative? Does the fingerprint sensor not become innovative? Please provide those details before your rants. And Rob, don't think you're getting off too easily either. Rob, I hear what you're saying about the smaller iPhone. I like a small 4-inch iPhone too, but there is substantial available evidence that people like a larger phone and you pointing to the fact that you know a bunch of people are still buying iPhones proving that people don't need larger phones is really not a provable fact because you don't have an A and B comparison in other words if there was a larger iPhone say four and a half five to four and a half, 4.7 inches and a four inch iPhone and people overwhelmingly bought the four inch iPhone then you would have a point but until Apple provides that you're really coming out with people that are either holding up their nose to get the big screen or holding up their nose to get the small screen on the iPhone when in a perfect world they'd love to have both. That's my point of view. I think the new iPhone 5S uh, looks great. I don't know why anybody uh, who's not a teenager or you know someone who drops their phone all the time would buy the 5C, but that's just me. I'm looking forward to all the rest of the Today in iOS episodes. Talk to you later, Rob. Kevin, thanks for the feedback, and I do agree, and I mentioned it earlier in the show. It will be interesting to see what happens if Apple ever does release a larger screen, and until they do, we really won't know what percentage of the iPhone buyers really want the current size screen and want to do one-handed use, and what percent want a bigger screen. Hey, Rob, I wanted to respond to a listener that had mentioned about a way to control how much time your child plays on their device. There is an app called Parent Kit, one word, Parent Kit. And that does just that. Thanks for the show. Regards, Bud VK. Hi, Bud. Thanks for the heads up on Parent Kit. Link in the show notes for episode 283 for that. Hey, Rob. It's uh, Brad calling from West Michigan. Hey, I'm just catching up with uh, a couple of the shows. And I had actually phoned in about three shows back regarding auto maintenance apps. And I just wanted to say thank you very much for putting a bunch of suggestions on your show regarding those and thanks to everybody else who put those out there for me. They were all quite helpful. There's many good ones to choose from. 
so I really appreciated that. Um, just catching up on that now, I know it's been a while, but uh, I wanted to give you a quick call and uh, give you my thanks for uh, the follow-up and for helping me out and everybody else who uh, did as well. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Rob. This is Shannon from uh, St. Louis, Missouri, first-time caller, long-time listener. So I wanted to leave some thoughts on the iPhone 5C and the 5S. The uh, cameras on the uh, new iPhone with the 8 meg dual flash and color atmosphere correction. So now that color atmosphere correction, I think now that's innovation. Great graphics uh, since they've gotten better. Uh, Prices are better with a, a new A7. Better battery life, and uh, that's kind of what I've been waiting for. Rear camera could have been better, but, you know, what can you say? All that being said, I will wait until about 9, 14, 14, hoping for a larger screen. And no, Rob, I do not want to hold it closer to my face. But I will say the announcement of the fingerprint sensor almost squashed all my timeline ideas, as this is a great phone, but I still will be looking for a larger screen size. Great show. Keep up the work. Thank you. Bye. Hi, Rob. I'm calling in response to the guy that was kind of asking you to help him fight his friend about his feud he had with the Galaxy, you know, with the Galaxy, you know, S3s and stuff or S4. Another big thing, um, my sister got one and I was just picking it up using it. And, you know, I'm not going to say it's a bad device. I liked it, you know, on some levels. Um, but I will say it's also just full of bloatware. I mean, like I asked, oh, I saw, I saw my sister, she had, um, she had a flipboard on it. And I was like, oh, you have, you have a flipboard. Do you like it? She's like, I don't know. It just came with the phone. It's just on there, and I don't know what it's about. So it's like they just jam weird. I mean, no, Flipboard's a good example, but there's stuff on there that's just strange, like that you would never really want on your phone that they just put on there, and she just got it and had over 30 apps that she never even thought about using. So that's another little thing you could say. I mean, Apple, what they give you is, you know, you decide what apps you put on, not someone else. I think that's a big other point that you should, you know, definitely – and also, if you don't want that kind of stuff, you've got to buy it unsubsidized to get a Nexus version of, of a phone. And, you know, that you're talking about a five five to $700 worth of money you have to spend. Well, there's another one for you guys, and have a good one. Love the show. Thanks all for your feedback. If you want to hear some more talk about iOS and Apple, I interviewed Ken Ray from Mac OS Ken for Podcast 411, Episode 227. You can get that episode at podcast411.com or by searching for Podcast 411 in iTunes or the podcast app. That should be up on Thursday, end of day or late Thursday with any luck. And that'll give you something extra to listen to when online waiting for your iPhone when this episode is done. So again, uh, if it's Thursday, end of day, U.S. time, go ahead over to podcast411.com and search for episode 227 of today of Podcast 411 or find it in iTunes or the podcast app. And as always, uh, if you are waiting online somewhere, send emails and reports from the lines. Let me know where you are waiting, when you got there, and how many other people were in line at that time, and roughly how many people are in line at 8 a.m. And also let me know if you were able to get the version of the iPhone that you wanted and what that was. And if you weren't able to get it, let me know that as too. I love to play uh, the reports that people send in from line. It's just kind of one of those traditions. We've been doing it since back in 2007. So again, send in your uh, line reports. You can make a recording on your iOS device and email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com or you can call in to 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Voice messages are always preferred from line ones, but we'll take email messages as well. 
Thanks again to the sponsor of today's show, and that is Audible for supporting the show. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash TII for your free audiobook download. If you want to know when new episodes go up, look at the TII app, not just as the best way to consume the show, but also a great way to get a push message when a new episode goes live or there is other iOS breaking news. Might be some breaking news this weekend. We'll see what happens. The TI app is just $2.99 in the App Store, and it helps you get the most out of the show, and it helps support the show at the same time. Plus, it makes it really easy to email or call the show with your feedback. So if you're waiting there online, it makes it really easy to send that feedback in. Again, just search for TII in the iTunes App Store, and I will do my best to send out a push if I get any info of importance on launch day. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show in general, 206 666 That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. The feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else. An app, a product review, good or bad, as long as it's iOS-related, it is welcomed. And I am always looking for a new artwork to feature on the show that you've created on an iOS device. Just slap some TII branding on it and send it in. And, of course, we're always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. This is your show, and your feedback is greatly desired. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Well, actually, not really. After the outro music, stick around for a bunch of listener feedback. I got a lot of listener feedback. I'm going to try to get another five or six in at the end of the show. It's already a really long show. There's no way to get all the feedback in from the last show, not even close to it. I didn't even come close on the email or the voicemail this time. Um, but again, no comments from me at the end. I'm just going to play the listener feedback, but please do send in your comments about the listener comments I'm playing at the end. These tend to be the longer of the messages. And that's going to go ahead and do it, at least for me. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. Yeah.
Hey Rob, it's Ryan from Seattle. I just listened to episode 282 and I wanted to call and give you some feedback in regards to the September 10th event, but also uh, the constant comparison um, with the Apple versus uh, Samsung products or Android devices that's uh, constantly occurring. Um, back in November of 2012, I actually left the iPhone. I had the iPhone for almost five years and went to the Galaxy Note 2. Um, that thing was just way too big, and I uh, sold it uh, fairly quick. Then I went to the Galaxy S4 um, on their launch day, and I've had that ever since. Um, in regards to the constant comparison between that and the iPhone, and let me tell you, these new features that the Galaxy S4 has with the uh, gestures that you were just speaking about and also like the smart stay where if you take your eyes off the screen, your video that you're watching stops. Those are nothing but pure gimmicks. Um, in fact, I have all of those new features turned off on my phone right now. Um, they just are not worth it and I don't really care for them to be honest with you. Um, the September 10th event, um, I'll tell you what, everybody's talking about how disappointed they were. Um, I think this is going to be enough to uh, make me return to the iPhone. Uh, on September 20th, I'm planning on going out and getting the 5S and testing that out and seeing if I like it. Um, that's my plan. But anyways, um, I just wanted to give you my feedback on that. I'm excited for the 5S and the uh, fingerprint scanner and so on and so forth. And another thing I wanted to tell you, you talk about the large screen size. My Galaxy S4 has a 5-inch screen. I'll tell you what, you're hitting the nail on the head. Um, usually, I have to. it's a two-handed um, operation for me, unfortunately. So um, I think it's a little too big. It's nice at times, but also it, it, it's just too big. And I think um, I'm realizing a lot of these things since I've been on Android here for the last several months. So, all right, Rob, thanks a lot. Uh, I appreciate your show and looking forward to the next one. Bye. Hey, Rob, it's Rich Howard calling from Chicago. Just wanted to respond. I'm listening to TII 282, and I've had my cup runneth over with the if you want a bigger screen, hold it closer. I rock both an iPhone 4S. Going to get that new one ordered on the 20th. Thank goodness. But I've been I've been rolling with a Nexus 4 for a long time too, since late last year. The iPhone is a superior phone, and it's got a lot to do with many uh, things involved. Um, carrier uh, has something to do with it as well. But the area where the Nexus 4 is better and those other phones is the fact that the screen is larger. The true test is this. Give somebody your give somebody your Nexus 4 or your bigger screen. Maybe bigger than that is a stretch. I agree. It took me a while to get my thumb into that upper left-hand corner. But you give somebody your Nexus 4 and say, you know, here's my Facebook account. Just tool around for 60 seconds. Then immediately take it away from them and hand them the iPhone, at least the 4, with, and even the five, my wife's five, same situation, they all, even the, even the fanboys in my life, of which I am one, they all say the bigger screen is nicer. The other thing you're not considering, you're obviously not as old as I am. I'm in my early 40s. Now all of a sudden, when you're laying in bed reading at night, that book is no longer 10 inches from your eyes. It's now out about 14 inches. That bigger screen seems to make seeing stuff better, even though the um, situation that you're dealing with in terms of pixels per inch may not be any different, but there's 
possibly something psychological about it being an easier format for somebody who's a bit farsighted to engage in. Awesome podcast. You've been rocking it for a long time yourself and um, really appreciate uh, any listening to this that you've done. Thank you, sir. Hey, Rob. This is Jordan from Wisconsin. I just wanted to give my feedback on the iPhone announcement and pose a question to you in the audience. Uh, I think the 5C is uh, kind of an interesting change. They're finally releasing a new phone to the cheaper iPhone segment. I know in the past year, the 4S and 4 have sold really well because of the amount of people who aren't cost-conscious. So I think it's an interesting step for Apple to release a new phone for that segment. So I think that one's going to sell really well. Um, The 5S is the one I'm more interested in, and I'm really excited about all the changes to that. I think the 64-bit architecture is going to be a really big step in future-proofing the phone. I think it's going to uh, be a bigger difference a couple years down the road, more than it is now. Um, But anything that boosts graphic and gaming capabilities is exciting. Um, Definitely like all the new changes to the camera. Um, My iPhone is the camera I use pretty much all the time. And I also like the added security of the fingerprint sensor. Uh, My question to you is, what do you think Apple will release next year for phones? Will they release one phone or two? Will they start releasing two phones every year or start releasing one phone one year and two phones on the letter years? Uh, What are your thoughts on this? Thanks. Love the show. Bye. George, at this point, I think it's a little too early to speculate. Maybe they'll do a wider version, and then they'll have three phones. They'll have the 5C, the 5S, and the 6, and the 6 will be this wider one. Um, But probably a little early to speculate, although there'll be rumors coming out here soon, very soon. And we'll start talking about those here probably pretty soon. Hi, this is Karen from Illinois again. I wanted to – I was listening to the last – podcast and um, everybody is complaining about what's wrong with the iPhone uh, 5S and all of the S models have always used the uh, one before it as the guidepost of the of the look of the phone and nothing has ever changed with the S except for internal things. So this is the same as it's been all along. So it seems kind of weird to me that people are expecting um, a model change in which the, the appearance will be different in terms of a larger screen get an iPad mini. I mean, the whole idea of an iPhone is not to make it so big that you can't manage it with one with one hand. So if you really need all that stuff, then get a different kind of model. So um, I agree with uh, what you said about Jody in regards to him getting rid of Tim Cook. Um, to me, what they had to say was very innovative. I have a 4S at this point, and I'm really looking forward to the 5S. Um, I wasn't able to update because my AT&T contract wouldn't allow me to do that early. And I'm really glad because I even talked to a representative at Apple, and he said, you know, when they put the S models out, it takes some of the bugs of some of the things when they do have a um, a 
model change of the of this structure. So um, to me, I think they did a great job of it. You know, um, I don't have a lot of comments about the 5C, but at least, um, you know, it is a new model with a better antenna in it. So um, anyway, I just wanted to go more pro um, comment about the the keynote that was last done, and I'm very happy with my Apple. And to me, it does everything I want it to. And I think to myself, when I get a new phone, that I don't know what could make it any better, and yet they do. They always come up with something better. Uh, that's it. And, oh, the other thing I wanted to mention is that you also mentioned in the podcast about the kids being able to use their their dad's print. They still have to put in a uh, security code or password in order to be able to do it. So it only gets you past your, your um, email address. That's it. Thanks very much, Rob. You do a great job, and thank you very much. Hey, Rob. This is Bruce from San Jose, and uh, I wanted to share some thoughts about the iPhone announcement. I think um, a lot of disappointment doesn't come necessarily from the devices themselves, but from the rumor mill. Um, the rumor mill now, you know, NFC this and fancy that, and oh my gosh, it's going to have, you know, this whiz-bang feature, and oh, there's going to be a watt. You know, that can lead to a lot of disappointment. Uh, the bottom line is I've seen Apple do a really good job of balance new features with high quality. Uh, if we take a look at the Moto X on, on the Android side, um, number one, they've already put uh, taken the price down a couple of times, and that's a, almost like a brand new phone. And on top of that, uh, you know, your friend Leo was demonstrating that uh, on his show, and let's just say the voice activation feature, the big innovation, um, didn't work so well. So I think Apple does an excellent job of balancing new features with also releasing features that are going to be really high quality and really reliable. Um, and that's the key secret. As you mentioned, you know, they've got tons of profit versus the Android um, you know, market share issue. And honestly, I've, I've tried other phones. I've played around with Androids, I've played around even with uh, Nokia with a crazy 20-some-odd megapixel camera uh, that's a Windows phone, and I've been really disappointed. Um, the, uh, the App Store for Google is still really lacking in solid uh, selection of really high-quality apps, and obviously the Windows phone side, I mean, is just a, a desert. So all in all, if you consider Apple's extremely high quality in terms of design, feature, and execution, as well as the ecosystem, I think you got a win-win-win. And um, I think they're just going to continue to make a ton of money. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Rob. Uh, this is Scott calling from Washington, D.C. again. Had a chance to had a chance to watch the Apple event on my Apple TV last night. Today is September 
the 11th. And I watched it, and I, was, I wasn't that impressed. Um, I'm not an Apple boy or an Android boy or whatever this case is. I like the Apple product. I left Android three or four years ago, and I haven't went back. And I had everyone that works with me and my family and everyone switch over to Apple. So we're all on board, and I have quite a number of shares in Apple. And I purchased some more uh, right before the, um, the launch of these new phones, and I have lost my own the amount of um, of the market share and how it's dropped. But, you know, part of the, uh, I guess, part of the game, if you believe in something and, you know, uh, you believe that they're a good company and, and you believe in the innovation and the people that's running it, then, hey, I'm going to hold on. But, again, uh, I have the iPhone 5, I have the 4S, and when I watched the presentation, I considered on buying the um, the 5C, and not the 5C, I'm sorry, the 5S, but listening to your podcast and listening to all the callers calling in about the, the phone, you know, I'm wondering if I should kind of hang around for the 6, and if I buy the 5 now, 5S now, then I'm locked into another two years, or if I get rid of my 4S, which I love, for the 5S, and then wait for this six or what have you. I just really don't know what to do with these phones I have. I should just hold on. One thing I like to say to all of the community, all these Apple boys and everything, and all of your listeners, that if you have enough money to buy an iPhone, a 5C or 5S or a um, 4S or what have you, then I think it might behoove you to buy a share of Apple so that you're all in. If you spend Apple shares trade right now at $464 a share, and it's not much further than that if you buy an iPhone off contract. So, hey, if you're in, you're in. If you're not, hey, you're just, might as well be a droid boy. Have a good one, Rob. Appreciate the show. Not in good spirit. Not liking what all your callers are calling and saying. But I got my stock. I got my phone. And I hope by next week I'll still have my shirt. Have a good one. Scott from D.C. Bye.